Alaziz, his first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smithrow, into the box. Smithrow scores! A really deserved first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. Coming to you right after the announcement of Fabio Vieira. Very exciting time for Arsenal. Our first summer transfer of 2022. And wow, he seems to be an incredible talent. Obviously, still goes with that exact same system of buying you know, under 23, under 24 players. Versatile, seems he can fill in at multiple positions. Was incredible this past year for Porto in 27 appearances and just 15 starts nearly 20 goal contributions. A very exciting signing. Somebody who is going to push for the first team immediately. And I think it's great that we have Europa League. He can probably start there. That's where he'll get his first few starts in the cup competitions. And you know what? Saka's going to need a rest. He's played nearly 60 matches this season. Same with Odegaard, playing in every single match once his signing was completed and starting in 32 of them. It's a good thing to have competition, and it's a good thing to have talented players who can fill in. It's just very confusing to me how people are saying, oh, we're spending this much money on a backup. It's not a backup. It's a squad player. And the whole complaint about last year and the reason we didn't make Champions League is we didn't have any depth. We didn't have squad players. We had Elneny coming in and playing and you know doing a fine job but not someone who's pushing us to be better and push forward and push for the title. And we're in a situation now where, okay, Odegaard picks up an injury, four or five games missed, same with Saka. He can fill in. I'm not saying he's going to do the exact same role, but he adds something. And most importantly, his final ball is just absurd, and he can do it from many different angles, which is something we have terribly missed since the days of Ramsey, Cazorla, Wilshire, Rosicki, all those incredibly technically skilled players. It's a very exciting signing, and... Not only does he fit the bill in terms of his metrics, his talent and IQ is clearly incredibly high. I'm not going to sit here and say I've watched a ton of Porto. I saw him play at the Euro U21s for Portugal where he won player of the tournament. He has an incredible, incredible ability to pick out a pass in between the lines and over the top. And if we add a striker, and more realistically, when we add a striker who is stretching the lines, Fabio Vieira is going to be an incredible asset to have especially with five subs next year. Keep that in mind. We're chasing a game to be able to bring in a player of his ability to make attacks happen on his own is something that we're missing. And Xhaka is great. And, you know, if we don't sign Thielmans, Xhaka probably starts in that left center mid role to start the season. I do think Thielmans still comes. But either way, Xhaka is great until you get to that final third. But Fabio Vieira, from those little half spaces, is somebody who can kind of create something at a, at a much higher rate than Jaka does. He doesn't necessarily have the ability to play as deep, and I'm not saying he can't learn that. He's only 22 years old, and if I know Arteta, he's going to mold the player to what he needs. So it's a very exciting signing. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Obviously, we're here to talk about our Hailen players representing their countries during this international break, most of them wrapping up their duty over this past week. And we'll start with our two youngsters playing for the England U21 side, Emil Smith-Rowe and Fullerin Balagoon. Smith-Rowe was rested for the 5-0 win over Kosovo, but played 78 minutes in their final match in the qualifiers for the Euro U21 uh, against Slovenia, which England actually lost 2-1. A surprising loss, but... They still topped the group, and Smith-Rowe played excellently. He was 40 of 44 passing, including a key pass. 
And during this break, he's just shown how precise he can be where he wants to play the ball, when he wants to take risks versus helping possession continue for his side and, you know, eventually develop and switch the field maybe to the other side. It's, it's really amazing over this break to see him take up three different roles in three different matches that he played. He, he Against the Czech Republic, he played as an inside forward mostly, uh, kind of cutting in, creating things in between an overlapping fullback and the striker. Then against Albania, he played as a number 10, popping up all over the front line in pockets of space, creating things for Balagoon in front of him, pressing wonderfully. And then against Slovenia in this match, he played all the way against the sideline as a true left winger. He's an incredibly intelligent player who has such an ability to play at so many different positions. And obviously, Arteta also thinks he can play as a number eight. So that just goes to show you that coaches trust him to fill in in multiple different roles. That's not something you see a lot from a player of his age who you know, still doesn't have that much senior experience. Uh, it's great that now he's got some time off before preseason, but I think you'll see Arteta try to deploy him as a number eight in the smaller competitions, in the Europa League and Cup competitions, until you know he's comfortable to play him there long term. Obviously, Fabio Vieira coming in, more likely to take up that position, but he's a similar player to Smith Rowe, who's a little bit more comfortable, a little bit further forward, uh, although Fabio can play a little bit deeper. And I think you know when the Premier League starts, you're going to see Smith Rowe mostly deployed as a left winger. But hey, we're adding depth. I think you're going to see a lot of what you used to see, as I mentioned earlier, with Ramsey, Rosicki, Kazorla, um, Wilshire, all those players kind of interchanging throughout a match into different positions. I think you're going to see that with Smith Rowe, Odegaard, Saka, Fabio Vieira. They're all incredibly intelligent players who know how to occupy the right spaces. Balagoon, on the other hand, did actually play in the 5-0 win over Kosovo. He just played 17 minutes. Uh, he didn't do much in that 17 minutes. England already with a massive lead and just trying to see the game out and you know not expend too much energy. But Balagoon is one of one on successful dribbles, four of six key pa- uh, four of six passing, and one of one ground duels won. Uh, and then 61 minutes played in the 2-1 loss to Slovenia, uh, where he had nine of ten passing a key pass and he won a duel. You know England control both of these games quite a bit. In the second one against Slovenia, as I mentioned. Uh, they were unable to actually make those final key passes uh, to score those goals and, and you know take the win, the win against Slovenia. They had 77% possession, but only three shots on target. So they kind of needed somebody to create something. Slovenia sat deep and, and really stopped them from getting into the box. And, you know, Balogun's movement was good, but he wasn't quite able to make anything creative enough happen. Another player who's played quite a few matches for someone his age this season. And, you know, England, as I said, top the group and move on to the U21 Euros. Uh, both him and Smith Rowe will get a couple weeks before preseason starts to take a break, kind of refresh. Hopefully, Smith Rowe can retain that full fitness from here through preseason into the beginning of the year. And obviously, it's a big preseason for Balogun. He's going to try and impress Arteta to make him believe that he can stay and be that third striking option. You need three strikers. You saw this here, what happened when we didn't have that. You know, he'll get his opportunities, you know, out on the wing once in a while, depending if they bring in Jesus, he can also move out to the wing. And, you know, even if he can't impress enough to stay at Arsenal for the season, he could maybe impress to get himself a Premier League loan or a top flight championship club loan where he can play in a good side, a place where he can actually score goals, unlike Middleborough, where there wasn't a lot of opportunity to score goals. Uh, And, you know, really 
continuous progression. There are people on Twitter saying Balogun's already a bust. He's not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z. That's so clearly not the situation. He just got his first real six months of senior football under his belt, and he was very good. He wasn't amazing. He wasn't even excellent, but he was very good. He learned a lot of key things. He got a lot better with his back to the goal. He got a lot better as a creator and a passer. Things that you need to add to your game if you're going to become a complete forward at the Premier League level. So now next season is going to be about finding a place where he can score a bunch of goals in a small period of time and get that confidence up and show that he can take the step to being a Premier League player. Another guy on the development track, someone who took a huge leap this season and we've spoken about briefly, Matthias Roberts, representing Wales under-18 side, um, playing 45 minutes against Austria in a 6-0 loss. Uh, it's you know it's just key to see him getting the recognition, getting call-ups to the next level of Welsh football. He was playing with the U-17s at the beginning of this year. Now he's playing with the U-18s. He's going to take that step this year to play with the under-23s for part of the season at Arsenal. I guarantee you in the second half of the season he's playing regularly. He's just a really interesting player. He's a true number 10 who can score and add goals from that position. And he's going to need to impress whoever the new coaching staff is that's coming into Hale End early on so he can cement himself that role because quite a few players likely to go on loan and he's one who is going to want to continue to develop, continue to get eyes, continue to expand in the Welsh international setup and, you know, another international break where he's getting the chance to play for his country. Uh, as far as other under-18 players go, both Bradley Ibrahim and Will Walters uh, represent England under-18 side during this break. Bradley playing 69 minutes against Wales under-18 in a 2-0 win uh, and playing as a right wing back somewhere he has been used a little bit this season. He's also a defensive midfielder. He's a very versatile player. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Tim Akinola just in the fact that he can play in multiple positions, but he's much more technically skilled. Uh, and he's continued to represent England you know, through all of the youth ranks. Uh, Rule Walters played at right back in the next match in the nil-nil draw with Croatia that saw England win this little Four Nations tournament. Uh, they actually won the Croatia match on penalties. And Rule Walters is the next huge defensive prospect coming out of Hale End. He is a very special right back and a big reason why Ryan Alibiosu might be moved on this summer because with Brooke Norton Cuffey likely to be coming up to the first team soon or going out on loan again this year, unclear what will happen there. Rule's going to play with the under-23s, and he's going to need to play week in and week out. So it makes more sense to move on Alibiosu, who is also an excellent player, when you have someone like Rule Walters. And again, we've spoken about this before. This happens with Chelsea. They had Lamptey, Reese James, Livermento. I mean, you can't have all these players at one club. You just, at a certain point, have to turn a profit and, and figure out other ways to you know, get them the first-team football that they need. On top of the players representing their youth setups at the international side, we have four players currently representing their nations. First and foremost, Daniel Ballard, who's had an excellent international break. Northern Ireland has not, but Ballard himself has been nearly flawless. And he played 90 minutes in a 2-2 draw with Cyprus this week, where he won 12 of 13 aerial duels. Like, those are not normal numbers, and he's not even that giant. He's not, a, I mean, he's a big-bodied player. He's six foot two, but he's not the size of Van Dyke. And he won 12 of 13 aerial duels in this match to go along with two clearances, two interceptions, and a tackle. Uh, his passing 
a little bit subpar, a little below where you want it to be. I think, again, this is what we've been talking about all season. Likely the main reason he will be moved on from Arsenal is that he just doesn't have the technical ability to play out from the back and comfortable enough doing it the way that we like to play. Uh, he was 70 of 92 passing, 2 of 5 on long balls. Not bad. He has improved greatly this year on that. Uh, and again, he had two shot opportunities, two headers offset pieces, uh, one where he nearly scored from. So Ballard has just been really excellent for club and country this year. And now that the international period is over, I really do expect his future to be sorted out rather quickly. Uh, there's been interest from Millwall, Sheffield United, Celtic, uh, and, and plenty more clubs. Many championship clubs would be lucky to have him. It's just a matter of if a Premier League club wants to come in and, and scoop him for a little bit more. You know, if he moves to a Millwall, a Sheffield United, or a Celtic, I don't think he'd go to Celtic. I do think he'll want to stay in England, especially since there's so much interest. I know Millwall is probably his top choice and their top choice. Matter of if they're willing to shell out the cash. I think Millwall is probably going to offer something in the five to six million pound range. I think Arsenal are looking closer to eight. If they can stretch it to ten to a Premier League club, that's obviously ideal. But I do expect his future to be sorted probably before preseason. It does not seem like he's going to stick around, especially with Arsenal trying to make so many signings, spending a lot of money. They need the influx of cash. And you know what? That's great. That's a successful academy graduate, someone who's going to go into the English system of football, and he's going to succeed. He's going to help a club either get promoted or he's going to help a club sell him on for more money and potentially a sell-on clause for Arsenal. If he goes to a Millwall for a little bit less money, I would expect a deal like that. Carl Hein, another player who would love to break into the Arsenal first team this year, uh, did not feature against Albania in a friendly, and his international break is now over as well. And it's very interesting for me to see what the club does with him. It, it depends. Bernalino, obviously rumored to be going to Fulham. I know Lino wants to stay in the London area. He loves it here. His family is here. Fulham would be an excellent move for both him and the club. They need an elite shot stopper because they have leaked goals every year they've been in the Premier League over the last decade. Uh, and you know what? If that happens, Carl Hines going to probably challenge Matt Turner for that number two goalie role. You know, it might make more sense to send Hine on loan just so he can get the experience of playing week in and week out, but he's already a very, very good shot stopper. He needs to work on his ability to command the box, take balls out of the air, you know, crosses that come in. He needs to be a little bit stronger with them. His distribution has gotten really, really good over the last year, even though he hasn't played that much, battled with some injuries. Obviously, Matt Turner, not the best at distributing, but a pretty good shot stopper. So, you know, they might keep both around. You know, Okonkwo was our third goalie this year. He may be our third goalie again, and they send Carl Hine on loan. They may send Okonkwo on loan, and Carl Hine's our third goalie. Anything's possible. I'm really interested to see, but I think Carl Hine is... He's a couple years away from challenging Ramsdale for the number one shirt because he is a very special goalie talent at a time when Arsenal have a bunch of really, really good goalie talents. Another player training with a senior international side, Omari Hutchinson with Jamaica. He hasn't featured since that opening friendly with Catalan. We knew he wasn't going to feature in the Nations League. And then unfortunately, the friendly with Uruguay was canceled. So Omari's just going to have that one cap for Jamaica. I wouldn't expect him to be called up again. I think this was just kind of a chance for him to continue playing, uh, continue to work on his game, test himself at the senior level. I expect him to be roaring and ready to go for preseason in a few weeks because it's a big preseason for him as well. 
He is a player who could find his way into the first-team squad this year, playing in Europa League and some cup competitions, especially if Pepe is moved on. And, you know, obviously Fabio Vieira can play on that right wing. You know, if Nuno Tavares were to leave, you know, Amari Hutchinson could sort of fill in if we were to go to five at the back in some of those competitions. So it'll be interesting to see. I'd love for him to go on loan to a championship side because his biggest issue right now is his physicality. He just needs to get stronger on the ball. He needs to learn that there isn't as much time to decide what you're going to do when the ball comes to your feet at the senior level. We saw this in that match with Catalan. The first few times Amari received the ball, he was a little bit like slow to it, just not expecting the pressure to come so fast. Obviously, that side that the Catalan threw out there was filled with incredibly experienced players who've played at the top level, you know, all across the world. So that was a tough match for Jamaica and Amari himself, but huge preseason ahead for him. And then most excitingly for me, amongst all of these players during this international break, was Marcelo Flores getting his first senior competitive cap for Mexico, subbed on in the 81st minute of a 3-0 win over Suriname in the Nations League. And three minutes later, upon him coming onto the pitch, Mexico win a penalty, and they elect Flores to set, step up to take it. Unfortunately, the penalty was saved, but that to me is so irrelevant to what that means that a player of his age, an 18-year-old kid, in his first competitive match for Mexico, a massive country, a country with so many passionate fans, they chose him to take a penalty. That shows the kind of confidence they have in his ability and what kind of player they expect him to be for Mexico over the next decade. And you know what? He will learn from that penalty. He will learn from that experience. We saw it with Saka at the Euros. He is such a strong kid he immediately went to social media to take the blame and say, this is going to make me better. And you know what? In this day and age, that's what you do. That's what you do. You own a moment. You don't blame it on anything else. You own a moment and you say, thank you for trusting in me. And next time I'm going to come out and kick ass. And that's exactly what Marcelo Flores is all about. And it's just, I'm very, very excited that he was chosen to take that penalty. I don't care that he missed it. And it just shows what kind of ability he has that at this level, at his age, that they're trusting him to take a penalty. Obviously, not a huge moment in the match, but they just want him to have that confidence. They want they wanted him to represent Mexico. They pursued him hard. They were giving him, you know, appearances and friendlies. He chose to represent Mexico, and they rewarded him. And I was wondering on last week's episode, if you remember, I was wondering, when are they going to reward Marcelo Flores for choosing Mexico over the other options? And you know what? They did. And they're not going to regret that because he is a star player. I'm excited for Marcelo to get back with Arsenal for the preseason, impress Arteta, and find his way into some matchday squads. We have five subs all season long coming up. Marcelo Flores is guaranteed to get some appearances, and he's the kind of kid, he reminds me a lot of Saka, where I don't think he's going to take those lightly. He's going to come in and show you exactly what he's made of. He's an incredibly, incredibly talented player, and another reason why Nicolas Pepe has to be moved on this summer. You just, he's dead wood at this point. He's an incredibly skilled player, Nicolas Pepe, and I'm really, I really thought it was going to work out with him. I, I truly did, but it's gotten to the point where he's going to get in the way of Marcelo Flores' development, and I cannot stand by while that happens because Marcelo Flores needs opportunities this year. And you know what? Since we're in Europa League, let's take advantage of that. And you know, if it wasn't for Europa League, Bukayo Saka does not break into the first team as easily as he does. He got the chance to prove himself at that level, and it became clear immediately he needed to be playing in the Premier League. I think we're going to have a similar situation with Marcelo Flores.
that's all the players from Hale End who represented their countries over this international break. We may have, or we should have, Brooke Norton Cuffey representing England in the Euro Under-19 Championships. That squad to be announced on June 17th, so we'll keep an eye on that. You know, obviously a huge positive for him to be involved in that tournament and, and an honor for him. A little bit of a bummer. We won't get to see him in preseason for Arsenal, but still, great experience to play at the top level, you know, in such an important tournament. In other news, looking towards next season and the end of this season, it looks like Jack Henry Francis will go out on loan next year to a League One side. The likes of Oxford, Plymouth, and MK Dons all interested in the Irish midfielder. And we've spoken about him a little bit on this podcast, but for those who don't know, he's an incredibly tenacious player with a very wide range of passing, likes to play as the deepest midfielder in a midfield three, and the next step for him will be testing a couple of things. First and foremost, his physicality at the senior level is a huge thing he needs to test. He is very tenacious, and he likes to attack a ball. He likes to go in for a challenge. But if he doesn't have the strength to do that, it's going to be hard for him to make that next step. And secondly, it's discipline. He, as I said, likes to attack a player. He likes to attack the ball in front of him. But he has to decide when to do that, especially if he's going to play as a lone six, if that's where he sees his future. So hopefully a lone move is what's best for him, and we'll see where he goes. Another player, obviously, who needs a loan and who had a little bit of a disappointing previous season is Keto Taylor-Hart. Uh, Birmingham's new potential owner has said he'd like to bring him in on loan if the takeover goes down. Either way, Keto does need to get out on loan. There is too many other young players, Cozier Dewberry being the main one, who need to come up to the U23s next year and fill in those roles, especially out on the left wing where Taylor Hart likes to play. So I expect Keto to go on loan as well. Um, in other news, Joel Lopez has left the club along with Jordan McKenna, Jonathan Dedzei, Remy Mitchell, and Luigi Gaspar. Uh, the biggest one being Joel Lopez, a player who is a regular in the under-23s at left back. And this means Lino Sousa will be the starting left back for the under-23s this season. And with one great year playing at the under-23 level, Lino Sousa could be ready to make that next step into Arsenal's first team. He is that highly rated. He is that talented. So this is a huge, huge season for him. And, you know, whether or not we bring in Aaron Hickey, depending on the future of Nuno Tavares, obviously some speculation about Atalanta wanting to bring him in. There's a lot of things that could go on, but Lino Sousa could be a year or two away, even at his incredibly young age, to being a first-team player for Arsenal. Um, in other news, players who I think likely to leave, who we've spoken about all year, Jordi Tutu and Matt Smith, both have had tons of senior experience. It's time for them to take their next step. Rumors of Osei Tutu maybe going back to VFL Bochum and joining them where he had his best loan spell of his career playing as a wing back, where he really kind of took that first next step in the senior level. Um, as far as people staying on, George Lewis given a one-year extension, uh, which is interesting move. He didn't play all that much this season. I guess they see him playing quite a bit next year with the likes of Amari Hutchinson and Marcelo Flores either going out on loan or joining the first team. Um, and Arsenal have offered contracts to professional contracts to Mauro Bandera, James Sweet, Taylor Foran, Henry Jeffcott, and Charles Sego Jr. All very, very talented players. James Sweet, an incredible midfielder for the under-18s this year. Probably a top three player for the under-18s this year. And then Henry Jeffcott and Charles Sego Jr. also incredibly talented. I'm not saying anything bad about Bandera and Taylor Foran, Taylor Foran but just... Uh, 
you know, kind of to give you some perspective on who these players are. Well, next week's going to be an interesting one. We aren't going to have a whole lot to cover in terms of our players playing, but we'll give you some sneak peeks on potentially some players who could impress in preseason and get the chance to represent Arsenal at the senior level next year. And I'm trying to secure a guest who would be a lot of fun to have on and somebody who's more knowledgeable than me even on Hale Lens. So stay tuned for that and thank you for listening.